Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I am Charlotte Pressler, and I am the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Karen Ray Nelson, and I attend Christ Episcopal Church in Coronado, California. And what is your other very important role in relation to Charlotte Pressler? And I am her daughter as well. Fun! So exciting. Karen Ray's here. We have a sweet quarantine setup going on where two, at least two people are in the same room. So that's fun. Yes. Yes. And we are not, in fact, social distancing because we live together. Yeah. Um, so we, we are sharing a computer and making the magic happen. The magic is happening. And you all are witnesses to it. Congratulations. You're welcome. So, Karen Ray, we're so thankful that you're on the podcast with us this week. Thank you for being on. Would you share with everybody, you know, a little bit more about yourself and your ministry context, whatever that may be? So, I don't really have ministry context. Um, my mom is a big part of my ministry, as she was is the director of youth and family ministries at Christ Church. Mm-hmm. So. All the opportunities I've had have come through her, so that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And you are a student, right? I am a student. I go to California State University Fullerton, and I am a dance major in my second year currently. Awesome. And what is it like to be a dance major doing distance learning? It's a challenge. <laughs> um, I came home. And my dad had to assemble a ballet bar for me in my room. Mm -hmm. And I have Zoom dance classes Mm -hmm. that have their own difficulties. Mm -hmm. But we make it work. Wow. What a weird time. Uh, (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that. And uh, now our second question that we like to ask our guests every week as we get into the gospel. Where did you see God or feel God's presence um, most strongly in the last week? In the last week, I felt God's presence most in a rainy day that we had recently. The rain washed away everything and made it clean, but it also gave us a reason to be inside in this very odd time of having to be inside all the time, and it made it feel normal for once. Yes, that is so nice. God, the giver of reasons for things. I like that title, (laughs) God. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Karen Ray, for being here. Uh, and thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of the podcast, which is for the gospel for Easter 3, um, which is from Luke's gospel. And this is for the gospel for April 26th, and it will come out the Sunday before on April 19th. So you'll be listening to it in the week leading up to April 26th. Um, Easter 3 in year A. We want to hear from you and see how you're doing in your quarantining. Um, We want to hear your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, where you can also find all of the Faith2Go resources, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can also contact us through Instagram at faith2go.
Um, but now we are going to jump into the gospel for Easter 3, which is from Luke chapter 14, verses 13 to 35. And Charlotte is going to read it, and then we will each take some time to highlight a point we hope you take into your week of faith discussion or reflection. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now on that same day, two of Jesus's disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them said, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. All right, so... We're slowly rounding out our Jesus resurrection appearance stories in this Easter season. So in the last in the last two in the last week between the Easter vigil, two weeks, Easter vigil, Easter morning, Sunday after Easter, and now this Sunday, we've heard resurrection appearances in all of the gospels that have resurrection appearances. Of course, Mark ends with just a mystery of an empty tomb. Um, though at some point in history, someone tacked on a little Jesus appearing to people, but we're, that was most likely not original. So we have John's gospel, which we heard about last week in Jesus showing up to first Mary in the week before, and then last week to all the disciples. 
Matthew, we heard uh, in the Easter Vigil or maybe on Easter morning about Jesus appearing to Mary outside the tomb. And in Luke's gospel, there is no appearance of Jesus at the tomb. There's an angel at the tomb telling the disciples and, and the Marys and the women that have gone there to prepare Jesus' body that he has risen, but he's not there. So this is actually the first appearance story in Luke's gospel. So this story happens right after that scene at the tomb in the garden where the tomb is. So um, we've got some disciples. They are leaving Jerusalem for good reason. Um, and they're on their way to Emmaus, which is just a town, like it says, seven miles away from Jerusalem. So that's all you really need to know. Uh, that's where we are in the gospel. This is almost at the very this is like one story before the end of Luke's gospel. And then, of course, Luke will continue in Acts um, with Jesus's ascension and then the work of the church after Jesus has ascended. So to talk about this week's gospel, Karen Ray has the first point. So what really struck me in this reading was how sad the disciples were walking along. And Jesus tends to come to those who are sad, which I think is really relevant again in today. I am a college student and I had to come home from college and I had to adapt to dancing at home and having little kids outside my door, banging and screaming with their toys, trying to focus on my ballet. And so coming home was hard at first because I could only see the negative and be sad about what had been lost and taken from me. But being home has also given me a lot and shown me a lot of love and faith within my family. I have a great father who redid my room by putting up a ballet bar. I have a mom who is always reassuring and a steady force in my life. And I have amazing dance teachers who are trying to figure out how to work Zoom for a dance class. Mm -hmm. And we all have such different size spaces and different difficulties and internet dropping, but we have each other. And so in this moment of being stuck at home and being sad about what was lost, I found a lot to love and I have been leaning on my faith with that. I think that's really relevant because when we lean on our faith, we find the strength that we need, right? And mm -hmm. so as the disciples were walking and they were really sad and had been through so much, and then Jesus came and walked alongside them. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we're really sad and we're walking, we don't recognize that Jesus is walking alongside us, right? Um, all we can be caught up in is the sadness and the and the and worries. Mm -hmm. And we hear that too, as you were saying, David, in the context piece with Mary, right? Like, because when Mary got to the tomb on that first Easter morning and Jesus wasn't there, she was sad and worried and upset, right? And, and we hear about Jesus coming to her and her not recognizing him at first either. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until he was like, Mary, <laughs> here I am, Mary. I'm right here with you. You're not by yourself. Um, and so sometimes Jesus is revealed to us that way through our sadness and through the company of others. Yeah, and I I love it because it also, just thinking about this this moment in our history together, it's like the, the disciples are in this equally 
tumultuous moment of upheaval and confusion. You know, because they they have heard they're not they're not just living in this kind of post Jesus's death world. They're living in this mystery of what happened at the tomb because they still don't know what is going on, you know? And they are away from like their communities of support, you know, and they're disconnected from the people that they have been with for so long that have kept them going and strong for so long. And just the fact that, like you said, Jesus shows up in this moment with them is kind of this invitation to us to to know that even in this moment of the deepest confusion and mystery and suffering, you know, that, that Jesus is there as well. And and it's that part of the story of of this kind of way that Jesus supports them uh, that is intriguing to me. And, and it seems like it's really important to Jesus to like dwell with them in their confusion and not because he doesn't immediately tell them who he is. You know, it kind of probably would have been pretty reassuring to them to know that it was Jesus. Uh, but that's not what <laughs> Jesus does. He, he, it seems like what's really important to Jesus is to be with them in their questioning, be with them in their wondering, be with them in their doubt and sadness and frustration. And in doing that, he does what Luke describes as um, going, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets. He interprets for them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And I, and I love that idea that Jesus doesn't jump to the answer. Jesus doesn't jump to tell them who he is. He doesn't jump to his identity. And what he also doesn't do is, is tell them that what has happened, the reality of that is standing before them, of the resurrection, of God's capacity to bring life from death, to redeem death itself, is not something totally novel and disconnected from the tradition that they have been walking in this whole time. And, and I love this idea that Jesus, even in this complete newness, this thing that seems <laughs> completely out of touch with reality and totally new, that God must be doing some crazy new thing in the world, he ties it all back to what has come before, that he is just kind of like, he, he retells them the story, kind of like we heard on the Easter Vigil, of all of God's liberating and life-giving and salvific work throughout history, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. And I imagine that included in that are a lot of those stories that we heard on the Easter Vigil, you know? God bringing up the people of, the Hebrew people out of Egypt, you know, the Ezekiel and the Valley of the Dry Bones, where God brings things back to life from the most death, the most like deepest, the deepest depth of death. And, and so Jesus is, is like revealing to them, this is, yes, this is new and it is old. I am just, I am a natural outgrowth of God's love that always has been and always will be. That in a way, Richard Rohr says this, that like the resurrection is the, like, is the, is the natural um, culmination of incarnation. If incarnation is like the, is an, an a indicator of the depth of God's love for all of creation, then the resurrection is also part of that love for creation and the only thing that can happen, almost. So 
I just, I appreciate so much how Jesus doesn't like, I would never expect Jesus to abandon his tradition, his religious tradition, but he leans so far into it. Even in this moment, when this crazy thing has happened, he's still saying, God has always been here like this. God has always been doing this. You know, continue to recognize this. And this is not the last time God will do it either. Right. And while you were talking, David, I flashed back (laughs) to the teeny tiny hotel room in Atlanta when we were recording with that very smart Reverend Mary Lynn Coulson. Mm -hmm. I know her. Um, Right. And she was talking about how um, one Testament isn't more important than the other. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that the New Mm -hmm. Testament is not more important than the Old Testament and that sometimes people have this need to focus Mm -hmm. on the New Mm -hmm. Testament and all of that. But in this, in the in the telling of the story all along, what Jesus is doing and affirming is he's saying this isn't a, a new story, right? Like this new crazy place that we are. It's the continuation of our story, our story that has gone all along. And so, you know, he's retelling it and reliving it because it's it's their shared story. Um, and then, and what's come next, you know, this, the, well, not next at this point, because the crucifixion has already happened, but Jesus has died and now he has been resurrected. That is a piece of that story. And it's the piece that they are currently living in that moment. Right. Yeah. That they are the continuation of God's story, you know, that it didn't mm-hmm. end, you know, on the last page of the Hebrew scriptures that they learned so well, that it is still happening. And that has to be true for us too. You know, that the last word of revelation in the canon is not the end of scripture, but we are like the continuation of God's story, of God's movement in the world. And the more we can, and I just love the idea that the way Jesus meets people in their suffering is to tell them their story, you know, to remind them of where they came from, to remind them of the story of how God has moved in in their life and in the lives of all the people that came before them. Right, right. And I, You know, it's interesting that you just use the word revelation, because I think that that kind of goes into my point, which is that I wanted to talk about how Jesus was revealed to these two disciples that were on the road, because so they're sad and they're walking and Jesus comes to be with them and he tells them all of their story um, and they've been walking with him this whole time and and they can't see that it's him, right? Like that they cannot see that it's him. And then they get there, and as they come near to the village, um, they invite him to stay because it's evening and the day is nearly over. And so they offer him this hospitality. They invite Jesus to be with them. And so through inviting Jesus, it was when he came to the table and he broke the blessed the bread and broke it and gave it to them that he was finally revealed to them. And so their act of hospitality, their act of generosity towards Jesus is what allowed it to him to be revealed to them. Um, it opened that connection back up. And as I was reading that today and I was reflecting on it, I thought back to Matthew 25. Um, and in Matthew 25, you know, we hear, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was naked and you gave me clothes. And they were like, what, when did we do that? Like, when did that happen? I don't remember. Somebody tell me. And he was like, as you have done this for the least of these, so you have done it to me. And so I was thinking about that and realizing that that's how God's revealed, how God and Jesus are revealed to us all the time. Mm -hmm. 
It's, you know, we talk about it each week in the podcast when we ask our guests to reflect on where they saw God this week. And it can be in a beautiful gift of nature, as Karen Ray shared this week, but oftentimes it's also in service to others, right? Um, that it's when we are out actively serving others that Jesus is also revealed to us and serves our need through that, that we get to have that connection, that revelation of God with us through our being God's hands and feet in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's almost like this is Luke's version of Matthew 25. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Luke is Luke is, is telling a story about these disciples who having had having followed Jesus for so long, you know, and heard him say all these things about the poor and the oppressed and the suffering and being with people and, 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 and serving people and being humble, that even in their, it, it seems like these, these two people are leaving for a reason, you know, like they don't seem to be people that want to be around a whole bunch of other people right now. And yet, they are. They see that that this person is going to go on ahead of them alone, and their primary concern is for this person's wellness. And they say, "Why? Why don't you stay with us? Like, you don't have to leave. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be hungry tonight. You don't have to be alone tonight. You can come stay with us." And then Jesus. And then it's not even Matthew being like in this metaphorical way. I was there. It's like literally that was Jesus, and they didn't even know it. You know. And, yeah. it, and it feels like, just like you're saying, like, that the possibility that the person that is standing before us will, is Jesus, still exists, you know, that that did not just happen one time, that that, mm-hmm. that is still true today, that this possibility that the person that we are inviting into our lives, that we are inviting to dinner, that we are inviting into our community is not just a person but is going to, is Jesus in Jesus' self, you know? And right. right, and as we are called, deeply called, to see Christ in each other, um, part of the reason why we are called that way is because it might be Christ, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like it, well, that is three points. Uh, point number one in review was Karen Ray's, and it was about... Uh, Jesus's presence um, in the suffering of these disciples in the story and Jesus's continued presence in our suffering today. Wherever we are suffering, Jesus is there with us. Uh, Number two was mine, and it was uh, highlighting this idea of how Jesus talks about these scriptures and these most recent events with the disciples and how he kind of builds them on as a continuation of the, the Jewish tradition, the tradition that he has been a part of, and not some sort of like thing that is separate, but that continues and is part of this ongoing story of God's work in the world. And then number three was Charlotte's, and it was about um, that revelation of Jesus in the disciples serving him, you know, that when they extended this invitation of hospitality, what, they, what, what Jesus responded with was a revelation of his presence with them and that we are still invited to that today. So, having heard uh, those three points, we invite you to uh, read through that gospel again yourself. Uh, See if you notice anything different this time through. Hopefully you will. Um, Please share with us any thoughts or questions or comments you have from your week of faith discussion and reflection. Again, you can send those to faith2go at edsd.org. 
contact us through the website where you'll see all those Faith to Go resources, uh, www.myfaithtogo.org. And you can also contact us through Instagram at Faith to Go. Thank you, Karen Ray, for being here Thank with you us for today. Me. That was awesome. Uh, good luck with the online ballet. You know, <laughs> I feel like you're, you. I feel like you're pioneering something new and innovative now. Possibly. Yeah. Who knows? Um, and we thank you all for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week for the fourth Sunday after Easter. Um, make sure you check out all those resources and send us all of those important questions and comments that you've got. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.